Welcome to Compound Your Knowledge, where Dr. Jack Bogle and I summarize three blog posts from our site. This week we have two papers on momentum uh, and one on insider selling. We'll start with the research paper summarized by Larry Swedro titled The Momentum of News. Jack, what were the authors of this study looking at? Yeah, so this uh, paper was an interesting one whereby they wanted to try to figure out whether or not news about a company, whether positive or negative, kind of using a unique data set, uh, actually had momentum as well. So if you had positive news, did that positive news trend continue in the future? Mm -hmm. And then alternatively, if you had negative news about you, uh, did that negative news trend continue in the future? Uh, and then what, what did that study find? So what they found is that, yes, it actually did continue, right? So, you know, if one positive news story came out about you today, you know, probably in a month, a couple months out, you're still going to have positive news stories. If it was negative, you'd probably have negative continuing. So there's almost like momentum in the news cycle. Got it. Yeah, that's good. Momentum everywhere. Uh, and, and then Larry covered the, the news momentum strategy yep. to, to that, you know, potentially tried to take advantage of these findings. How does that strategy work? Yeah. I mean, it's similar to price momentum, right? So you sort firms on news momentum, like positive or negative, and yep. you would essentially go long firms with positive news, short firms with negative news. And in aggregate, it actually did have a, an alpha uh, right. when you look at it. But then, and then, uh, Larry mentioned that the study showed it, it also, it was, it was significant only for stocks with poor information environments, such as those with small firm size or low analyst coverage. Um, like what can we take from that in terms of, is this an investable strategy? Yeah. So what they showed, I believe it's table 11 in the paper. So, you know, when you include all firms, you get this alpha, but then when you split it into either large firms, small firms, or like high analyst coverage, low analyst coverage, those environments whereby there's less information, i.e. small stocks, less analyst coverage, I believe they also do uh, institutional ownership, the alpha is only available in the smaller stocks with less analyst coverage, less institutional ownership. So there's a chance, you know, there could be a limit to arbitrage that this strategy, because if you're just trading small cap stocks, you know, that could actually persist in the future due to the fact that if you actually try to implement and trade on it, it might cost as much as the, uh, <clears throat> as the profits would be. So then right. w- would you say that, is that a common thing with a lot of these like back tested searching for results? Yeah. I mean, one thing anyone, if you try to transition from an academic paper to practitioner, the first thing I would say always you should look at is just what happens if you exclude small caps. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so looks good, but, but maybe some issues in the real world. Um, limit limits to arbitrage. Okay. So, so great that that's momentum in the news. Uh, but what about momentum in Russia? The next paper on our site this week was summarized by Wes. And it's titled Momentum Factor Investing in Russia. Very creative title. Um, and, and it looked at momentum factor investing in 19th century imperial Russia. And the authors seek to address two questions. 
The first question is, is momentum data mined? It's an important question to ask. And then the second question is, why does momentum exist? Hmm. So Jack, we'll start with question one. Um, what does this research show on the potential of the momentum factor being data mined? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if uh, data mine is the exact term in the paper, um, but what I would say is what it shows is that by using a new data set yeah. that is out of sample, yeah. we find that momentum still exists. Right. So the fear potentially could be that, hey, in the U.S., maybe we see a data mine result of momentum. Yeah. Right. And so one way you can address that fear is to look at for data sets that are out of sample yeah. and test the same strategy there. And what they find is that momentum worked in 19th century Russian markets. Right. And, and, and explain that a little more because because the out of sample matters because you never looked at that data. So yeah. now you're like, wow, we never touched this data. Let's see if it's there. Maybe there is, you know, more of a behavioral reason or something else that, that's potentially driving this. It just gives you another data set with yeah. which you can test your theory. Okay. So, so there's, yeah. So there's kind of two things we've now, we've now learned on, on how to validate if, if the research could be mm -hmm. applicable in the real world is, is let does it only exist in smaller companies? Then maybe, you know, who knows? Could be good, could be bad. Um, and then same thing, if the more out of sample data you can get your hand on to test something that worked in your first test seems like a good thing to do. Yep. Um, the, the next question though from this paper, which the authors attempted to answer using this out of sample 19th century Imperial Russia data set was, why does momentum exist? Jack, what did the kind of the, the paper have to say about that? Or yeah, yeah. That? So, so what they're doing there is, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, and actually it's a, there's a couple of reasons. One could be behavioral, right? Underreaction, overreaction, uh, a lot of behavioral reasons why momentum exists. Mm -hmm. Second option could be like a risk-based explanation. Yep. Uh, we've talked about that on our website. Uh, I've written about it. Larry's written about it on our site. Some risk-based explanations. We've yep. also talked about behavioral. And then the third one. Explain that. Just to cut you off. Explain Explain just real quick. Like what is a risk base? Well, it's tying the momentum premium to some sort of a risk factor. Got it. So right? you're earning a higher return because you're taking on some sort of some sort of risk that you can yeah. tie it to. Right. And then a third one, which we've talked about, actually, I did uh, a brief post. It's a theory paper talking about was uh, an institutional reason, and basically through delegated asset management. You know, if from a theoretical perspective, you can actually like create value momentum mm -hmm. anomalies. So it's a really neat paper I covered a long time ago. Uh, about why momentum could exist. But what the authors in this paper do is they can actually try to tease out whether or not it's driven by this like institutional demand mm -hmm. because there's, they have a unique, uh, break in the data whereby like individual investors come into the data set. Yeah. And so, you know, delegated asset management didn't exist before mm -hmm. and then it existed after. So they have like a unique break. Mm -hmm. And what they tested and found is that momentum existed before and after. Well, so it, it, according to the authors, they find it's not driven by that. Uh, and they lean more towards the behavioral one. They don't talk as much about the risk in the paper per se. Cool. Um, and, and, and I guess we kind of already then hit on why this research matters, but 
Do you have anything else to add to that? No, it's just another Alessandra data set showing that momentum historically worked. Yeah. Uh, the last paper from this week was summarized by Tommy. Uh, it's titled Short Selling and Insider Selling Equals Bad News. This The research paper looked to determine if there is a relationship between short selling activity and insider selling. So, well, Jack, is there a relationship there? Yeah, there is. And uh, actually, this just because I believe one of the drafts I saw was from 2011, right? So a lot of times, uh, for the viewers of this video, I mean, I know, but academic research usually takes a long time to get it finally published in like these top journals. So 2011 was eight years ago, right? This paper's been around for some time, but it actually addresses an interesting question, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, are short sellers kind of, they try to say, are short sellers like manipulating the market or are they actually adding to informational efficiency within the markets? Mm -hmm. Right. And so what they find is kind of two things. I would say they're like two big picture summaries of this paper is first they show that, you know, when uh, they believe there could be inside information. Right. And they measure inside information by insiders selling or buying. Right. So when short sellers move in the same direction as potential inside information, mm. there appears to be significant alpha. So. If there's insider selling mm -hmm. and there's short selling is increasing, more people are shorting, yeah. there's negative alpha or negative predictive returns. Yeah. If insiders are buying and short sellers are covering, it predicts future positive returns. Mm -hmm. Right. So there appears to be some information there. Gotcha. So that's kind of like the, the one main finding. And then the second one is they try to tease out whether or not short sellers are trying to like manipulate the market, manipulate a stock price down, right? Cause that would actually be bad yeah. and would be a, a reason to potentially, you know, make rules changes about what short sellers can or cannot do. Yeah. And so what they did was they tried to find periods and uh, <clears throat> um, instances whereby there was what they classify as like neutral short selling, kind of like not buying, not selling. So there's really no information yeah. and, but, but short sellers are high. Yeah. Right. Or they're getting low. Right. So they're either covering their shorts or they're increasing their shorts, mm. but there's really no information. And kind of what they find is that it's actually persistent. So the short sellers must be actually bringing information to the market themselves mm. because if short selling is increasing, the return seems to be negative and persistent. It doesn't like just mean revert. Yeah. And if they're covering, it actually appears to be uh, positive expected returns and not mean reverting. Gotcha. Right. So for those who, want to claim that short selling is bad for the market, I probably would recommend they read this paper because this paper highlights that they actually are probably bringing uh, and making markets more informationally efficient, right. um, which would be a reason to potentially not, you know, add any regulations on them. Right. Um, one, of, one of the arguments for why the housing market can get so wacky is you can't really short it, right? Like there's, there's no way to, buy put options on the, on the housing market per se or whatever. Um, so I guess you could do like CDS swaps and stuff like that, but, yeah, but that's more complicated. Super, it's not simple to just, yeah, yeah. You can't just, just short, you know, Joe's, Joe's house. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say he overbought and yeah. a short, short your neighbor's house. Um, yeah. I wouldn't so, recommend that. Anyway. Yeah. 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 All right. All right, that's what we got this week for Compound Your Knowledge. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with more episodes. Thanks. 
The views expressed in this recording are the personal views of the participants as of the date indicated and do not necessarily reflect the views of Alpha Architect itself. Nothing contained in this recording constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a current or past recommendation or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The information in this recording is based on current market conditions which will fluctuate and may be superseded by subsequent market events or for other reasons. Alpha Architect does not resume any duty to update forward-looking statements. The information in this recording has been developed internally and or obtained from sources believed to be reliable. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made or given by or on behalf of Alpha Architect as to the accuracy and completeness or fairness of the information contained in this recording. Any liability as a result of this recording, including direct, indirect, special, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. Copyright 2018, Alpha Architect LLC, all rights reserved.